This morning, I'm going to conclude on the seven deadly sins and speak on the sin of sloth. You know, as much as I've told you on all the other sins, I have found sin in my own life. This morning, I'm kind of glad to declare laziness is not a sin that I have. I do have a bit of it, and we're going to redefine laziness this morning. But of all the sins, I feel a little less convicted on this one. And I hope this morning we will look to God's Word. I have a feeling... Many of us have defined, and listen to me carefully, we have defined busyness as being not lazy. Because I have a feeling most of us here are very busy. And we've concluded because we're busy, we must not be lazy. I'm going to suggest to you this morning, Scripture defines laziness much more than being busy and active. So would you turn in your Bibles with me to the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 25. It's about how God looks at work, how God is able to work in the lives of people, and what he expects out of us. Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to read the whole parable. It's a story that Jesus made up. Most of you are familiar with it. If you're not, open your Bibles. I'll just look at a couple of verses, and you'll get the gist of the story. Verse 14, Matthew 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Pause for a moment. The key word there is entrusted. Do you know that everything you have, everything that you have is trusted to you by God. You don't own anything. You're just a steward. I want to challenge that thinking today in our culture, even among Christians, that we have worked for what we got. It is ours. It is not yours. Everything is God's. You are just a steward. So this morning, part of what we're going to look at is, are you a good steward of what God has entrusted to you? Second point, look at verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Very important. God gave different people different talents, not because he liked one person more than the other. What was it given based on? Ability. God's given every one of us something, and it's not the same as someone else. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in wondering, why don't we have what someone else has? Or we kind of wonder, why did we get what we got? We sometimes think we would have been better off getting what some... You are going down a rabbit hole if you think that. This morning, what you need to realize is, God gave you... Whatever it is, according to your ability. 
And here's the kicker. He expects you to do well with it. He just doesn't expect you to hug it and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and do nothing about it. Where did I learn that from? Go down that passage of Scripture. Look at verse 20 onwards. To the one who he gave five talents more, when he came back, what did he do? He said, Master, I've worked hard. I've multiplied it. He has five more talents. To the one who had two talents, he said the same thing. And to each one of them, he said, You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Principle number three. And we forget this so often. It's worth reminding you. How you are a steward of your life here on earth determines how you will be a steward in eternity. And Jesus taught, if you cannot be a good steward of earthly things, how can he entrust you with spiritual stuff? So don't try to work on your spiritual life and keep your personal life separately. God's looking at both. So if you can't handle money properly, be careful, people. You will not be entrusted with things in eternity. If you can't manage your time, your ch- whatever be, if, you don't, if you're not a good steward of what God gave you, and God gave you what he knows you can handle and do well, and if you're not in the process of multiplying what God has given, some of us will hear harsh words which might surprise us. Well, we still have time to make change. That's the beauty of it. Now listen to the one who had one talent. He, verse 24, who received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground Here you have what is yours. Stop right there. You know, when you look at the story, you might think, you know, at least the guy didn't lose that one talent, right? If he lost that one talent, that would be bad. At least the man kept it safe and gave it. But notice what the master responded. He said, you wicked and slothful or lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. In this parable Jesus expected and I can safely say that the one talent guy to give back how many talents? Take a guess. Two. Why? Because the five guy, five guys is a restaurant. The guy who got five talents gave back how many? Ten. The guy who had two gave back how much? Four. And was God pleased with that? Absolutely. He only expected the guy with one to give back two. Why? Because according to his ability, he was trusted and he was only able to multiply one into two. He was not expected to take one and make it ten. 
That's why I love the Bible. It is common sense. It's very fair, isn't it? Now, if God expected him to make it 10, we would, we would start sweating. But in this case, the one with the one didn't do anything with what was entrusted to him. And the question we have to ask ourselves this morning when we look at the sin of laziness. Are you a worker after God's own heart? Are you investing? Can you, if you were to drop dead this morning, God would probably ask you, have you multiplied all that I gave you? And I'm going to suggest to us this morning, because I have the privilege of listening to my own sermon. Do you know how rewarding and convicting that is? Because I just told you, laziness is not one of my predominant sins, because I work hard. I am very busy. I probably, recently I was thinking, how many hours do I put into basically ministry? At least 50 to 60 hours a week. I don't look tired. Don't go by looks. I believe part of it is the Spirit of God that energizes me. But having said that, when I look at Scripture on laziness, I would say there, there are possibilities that I sin in being a good steward of my life. And I'm going to challenge you in that area, especially those of you who are busy. We are, Ephesians chapter 2, we are God's workmanship. What's the word there? Work. We've got to redefine our definition of work because for most of us, or some of us, Work is something that we just want to finish so that we can relax. We have a poor theological definition of work, which is why we tolerate laziness. If God is a worker, do you know what he expects his people to be? Workers. Work was created before sin. Did you know that? And we'll talk about it. So if God's workmanship is at work in our hearts and lives, let's look at that. Here's a question to you. What is Newton's first law of motion? Say it a little louder, Tyler. Correct. And I'm looking. I wanted to. I can't even quote it. I had it somewhere here. Objects at rest remain at rest and objects in motion will stay in motion. Ah, here we go. See, that's when you preach for a long time, you know to keep talking while you search for something. An object at rest lays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. I'm reading it after about, ooh, 40 years. And as I read that, I said, there's the gospel in it. You know why there's the gospel in that? It says that an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. That's all gospel. We were headed in one motion, in one direction, Till Jesus came, 
an unbalanced force interrupted us, changed our direction and our motion, and so we are headed in a different direction. But the reason I chose Newton's first law of motion has to do with laziness. Most of laziness is actually a body at rest wants to stay at rest. And even if it's going in one direction, it doesn't want to change speed or it doesn't want to change direction. Unless God's word and God's spirit interrupts us this morning. Let's define the sin. You always have to define the sin and ask, what is the attitude behind the sin? It's one thing to say, you know, I think laziness is just standing around, not doing anything. It's much more than that. When I was a teenager and even younger, uh, there were boring times in church. Unlike you, you're never bored. But my dad was the preacher who, and I remember so many of his sermons. But for the first 18 years of my life, he was my preacher. Blessed my heart. I learned a lot of good things. But there were times when it was boring. Not because of him, because I was bored. And I still remember the Bible we had there. It had pictures. So guess what I did? Look at pictures. But then there were times when I was very godly. I used to turn to the book of Proverbs. Because you can read the book of Proverbs and laugh away. And this morning we have a lot of those verses here. Because most of them have to describe the lazy person. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five. It says, the desire of the sluggard. And the word sluggard comes from the word slug. Think about that. The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hand refuses to work. In other words, his body and his mind is all ready to work. But he just can't get his hand to do what his mind and heart wants to. The lazy person hates to work. Sadly, I would say... In our country, we have people who don't want to work. And then there are some people who only want to work one kind of work. Folks, there is no indignity in any kind of work. Work has great dignity. You know why work has great dignity? Jesus Christ who is ruler of this universe, was willing to be a carpenter. If he was willing to be carpenter, you think there's dignity to work? Absolutely. I hope you're not picking and choosing work. I hope you don't respect people or disrespect people because of what they do. The only disrespect in the word of God is for those who don't want to work. And by work, I mean anything. Chores at home, dishes, cleaning the floor, whatever it is, as long as it's work, you are created in the image of God. There is dignity doing anything under the sun. I would, I was going to wonder how many degrees I have. Forget about that. 
I have cleaned toilets in America after coming with two degrees before that, after high school. And then even after picking up another degree here, I have cleaned other people's toilets, and I'm proud to say I've done it. And I'll do it again if need arises. This is a great nation where you can work anything and make money. There are many nations in the world that even if you worked, you got nothing for it, especially some of those kinds of jobs. Right, Paul? Some of us immigrants know it better. So praise God for work. The lazy person doesn't want to work. Secondly, the lazy person somehow in his or her mind has put leisure and pleasure before work. In other words, they're ready to go to the beach and spend a whole day there, but they're not willing to work six days. They're ready to sit in front of the TV and enjoy, but they don't want to work. Oh, here's a good one this morning. Listen to what Proverbs 26, 14 says. As a door hinges, turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. If you haven't caught it yet, imagine a door that was not hit with WD-40 on its hinges. When you turn that door, what happens? Makes that annoying noise. The Bible says the lazy guy, even when he's sleeping and wants to turn, it is too much work for him. It's noisy. Why for him, even turning in his sleep, which is a good thing, is too much work. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to 11 says, When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. This might be something you might have a problem with. I know that on Sunday mornings I set two alarms. Because on the first alarm my reaction is reach it, turn it off, just a little more sleep. And what happens? 45 minutes goes past and you are shocked that that little more sleep Ended up being a curse. So Sunday mornings, you know, now I have a new routine. And I have my phone as my alarm. I put it on the side. Sometimes I know it's going to go off. And when it goes off, yes, a little more sleep. But I hold it onto my chest. See, I have so many ways in which I can fool myself and then set up traps so that I get caught in my own foolishness. The reason of holding the phone is if you fall asleep, it'll slip. When it slips, you'll wake up. You know what scripture says? That little more sleep, little more slumber will cause you to become lazy. And in that process, it will do you harm. Listen to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. This is another trait of the lazy person. The sluggard says, There's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. 
And he didn't realize he does not live in the tropical lands. There's no lion anywhere. But he believes there's a lion in the streets and he won't leave his house. The sluggard comes up with excuses and reasons as to why he or she cannot do anything. And folks, I don't know about you, but be careful of this. If you make an excuse for yourself and repeat it to yourself multiple times, guess what's happening? You will believe your reason and an excuse and you think you're fine. A lazy person makes excuses that do not even exist and will justify himself. Proverbs 18 verse 9. Now, this is where I'm going to draw your attention because I think I know all of you here, you are hard workers. But you might have a problem that sometimes I think I also have. But listen to Proverbs 18 verse 9. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Is a brother to whom who destroys. In other words, if you know a person who's very destructive in their life, very easily to recognize that person, right? This person's not up to good. He's destroying his own life. He's destroying other people's life. But scripture says, the one who is slack, the one who is slow, the one who procrastinates, he is actually the same characteristic to one who is destructive. The one who wastes time and energy on what's not important has the characteristic of a lazy person. Let me give you an example. This morning, Chris Gross was here in the first service, so I used a memory from 17 years ago to illustrate this. 17 years ago, there was only, not even this side, there was only this amount of people at Nishamani in the only service we had. I really didn't have much work to do. And I used to feel guilty. Taking a salary, give me some work to do. So one of the first things I remember doing is Chris Gross had no clue in how to take care of a yard. His yard had more stones than grass. And he didn't know where to start. He thought if he just padded them down, throw grass away. He says, Chris, I think I know a little about how to maintain a yard. Let me come and help you. So one day we just picked up all the stones that was in his yard. Then we, with a rake, leveled the whole place, threw grass seed, taught him how to even put a sprinkler on. You know what I got as wages for that? I still have it. He lives beside a creek. There's a humongous rock that was there about this size. I said, Chris, I worked for you. I need wages. Can I take that rock? I need it for my fish pond so I, or something else, but I took that rock. Now, here's my point to you. If today I spend three-fourths of my time helping people off the church with their yard work or fixing stuff at home, am I doing what I'm called to do? 
God has called me to be a man who preaches the gospel and gets involved in people's spiritual life. Now, I don't mind helping you with your yard as long as we can talk gospel. But if most of my time goes into helping people with rides, helping them with fixing something, I would be someone who's slack in what God has called me to do. It's about being slack and not doing what God has called me to do. And that's the sign of a lazy person. So one of my questions I'm going to ask you as the day goes on, especially if you're a busy person. Are you busy in the things God wants you to do? Or are you busy in a lot of stuff that eventually when it comes to the important, you're tired and you just don't have the time? You have all the time in the world to do what God wants you to do. And in fact, God wants you and I to live our lives being busy about what God wants us to do and then actually to have rest. Do you know that rest is commanded? Rest is not something you need to be guilty about. Maybe Mike helped the Guzmans with nursery. Do they know that there is nursery? Yeah, we've got wonderful people who'll take care of him. You can trust them because my children were in the same place too and they've grown up okay. So work, you've got to be careful about not wasting time on things that God hasn't called you to do. And that's one of the things you've got to be careful about. Let me give you a simple definition of what not being lazy is. Not being lazy is I hope you're working, but here's the specific definition It is not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Are you spending time not doing what you're not supposed to be doing? And is your work focused on what God has called you to do? And I'm going to end with a great example that we find in John chapter 17. Pause for a few minutes. Let's look at your and your own sin factor. So you want to ask yourself the question, do I have the right attitude for work? Remember, the, if laziness is the sin, we want to find out what is the cure and the antidote. The antidote to laziness is work. Question number one. Do you grumble when it comes to work? What's your attitude on Monday morning? When you go to school, when you go to work, are you excited to go? Or are you saying, man, I wish I didn't have to go this morning. I've already said there is dignity in work. It has nothing to do with how much you get paid. I get paid to work. Do you know that you get paid also? You are paid to be a witness wherever you are at work. In other words, if you work as a waiter at Olive Garden, if you, if you work at Wawa, if you're a nurse's aide, if you're a school teacher, if you work on fixing pipes, 
If you do whatever you can, your purpose of being at work is to be a witness of Christ. And you get paid for it. Let me repeat that. The reason God's, you are at where you are is because God wants you at the, as a witness there and you get paid to do that. In many ways, you are no different than me. Who pays your work? Who pays for you? It's God. So, we've got to change our attitude to work. Yes, there is the curse that's associated with work. Be careful to differentiate the two. You know, when you come home and your bones are aching and you're tired and your hands are blistered, that is the curse of work. Work is not a curse. Chores at home is not a curse. Oh, I see all the parents turning to their kids. Kids, turn to your parents and tell them also that work is not a curse. I'm going to challenge you as spouses and parents. You know, don't, you know the kids are on my side. Don't, don't, don't make it difficult for them. Maybe our children learn from us. Ever thought about that? So I'm talking to adults this morning primarily. When you do those boring jobs like taking out the trash, cleaning the kitchen, doing the clothes, do you complain doing that? I'm just asking the question. If you have, don't be surprised if your children do. Children learn more by what's caught than taught. So we all need to look at ourselves. And kids... I want to encourage you this morning, when you do chores, you're not doing it for your parents, you're doing it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do unto unto the Lord. But I hope you don't grumble about work. You cannot grumble and be grateful at the same time. That's absolutely contradictory. Either you're totally grateful, or you're grumbling and you're not grateful. Secondly, Do you complete tasks to their conclusion? Listen to this verse. I love this one too. It's barbecue season coming up. I can't wait for that. Listen to the sluggard or the slothful. Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game. In other words, this is such a lazy guy. He went hunting, he got something, brought it home, but he's too lazy to put it onto the grill. And even when he puts it on the grill, he doesn't feel like turning it over. A lazy person has one characteristic, and that is his or her life is filled with half-completed tasks. And I want to ask you the question, are you someone who starts on something and then stops? There are many things in your life 
that you just haven't completed. Laziness is often attached to the hip on indiscipline. Discipline, it's not skill. Never kid yourself that it's smart people who do well. No, it's not smart people who do well. It's disciplined people who do well. Disciplined people know to do the same thing over and over and over and over again that they never give up. And God rewards that. And so, if you are someone who has not, you have that nature of not completing Scripture would call you lazy in certain areas. I'm going to remind you again, just because you're busy does not mean you're working hard. You can be busy watching television. You can be busy doing a lot of stuff. But yet you would be called a sloth. Because when it comes to what God expects you to do, if you haven't done it, if you're incomplete in your work, It is displeasing to the Lord. Let me bring up an area which I think we should pay more attention to than anything else. And that is in the spiritual disciplines. Are you lazy? What do I mean by that? How are you in the reading of God's word? How are you in committing to working for the Lord? Please do not tell yourself, even if you tell yourself, please don't tell me because I will respond to that, that you are so busy, so tired, that you don't have time for some of these things. You're fooling yourself. You're the kind of person who's saying there's a lion in the street. Let me make a comment Do you know at our prayer meetings on Wednesday, we're probably averaging about eight to ten people nowadays on a good day? What's very interesting is the two people who are most faithful, huge blessing to my heart, is a lady who's totally blind and needs someone else to bring her, which is Cami Valentine. Faithful every Wednesday. And now the latest most faithful person is Agnes, who cannot even lift her hands. Thanks to a very loving husband, brings her every Wednesday. And I want to ask you the question, I know this might hurt your feelings. Are you so busy that you don't have time for prayer? I offended someone yesterday at the funeral service. And I got a long email this morning. Because this person comes from a Jewish background. And he said, you offended me by what you preached. And went on to describe why. And I can understand that I could have offended him. So I responded as kindly as I can. I said, I hope I am not an offensive person. There's a difference between being an offensive person and offending someone with what you said. You know the difference, right? I said, I hope 
I am not an offensive person, but it wouldn't surprise me if I offended you in what I said. And if you were not here yesterday, what I said is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me, which is a very exclusive claim, which means, and he coming from a Jewish background, he said that is very arrogant to say because uh, you think you know everything. He didn't say it in that way. That's the tone. Uh, You're saying that if it's not Jesus, we're going to hell. Yes, I did say that. But I said, you know, I did not make that up. I said, I'm just quoting Jesus Christ. And I said, do you know what he got for it? I said, the Jewish people nailed him for that. And actually, Jesus told me in Scripture that those who follow him and speak the truth will get the same response back. And I said, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry, but I don't apologize for speaking the truth. Truth sometimes hurts people. I'm sorry. I care for you as your pastor. I love you. I will tell you when you do well. I owe it to you also to tell you from Scripture when we don't do well. And I'm saying this for the sake of the church. God's doing some wonderful things here. I will celebrate that with all my heart. But if you don't have time for spiritual disciplines, and you are so busy and tired... I'm not saying this for the church's sake. I'm saying it for your sake. Something is wrong. There are seasons in life when we're busy. Don't don't get me wrong. But when that is the pattern of your life for years and years and years, may I lovingly encourage you, take a look of the rut you might be in. I'm not a legalist. That's why I can wear jeans to church. I'm not saying you need to clock in. I'm saying... Look at your life. You're probably busy in a lot of things and think you're hardworking when the truth is you're wasting time and energy on things God has not asked you to. As a result, you don't have time for what's important. What will laziness do? Proverbs 12.24 says, The hand of the diligent, or the hand of the one who is uh, determined, will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Let me put it very simply. If you're not willing to work hard, if you're not focused in your life, you will live a life at the mercy of other people. Your life will be run by other people. But if you are diligent, if you draw boundaries in your life, if you do just what God wants you to do, He will put you in places where you have authority and freedom in your life. It's about freedom. God has saved us and is creating us for freedom. Secondly, Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn, 
He will seek a harvest and have nothing. In other words, the sluggard is the kind of person who doesn't do things at the right time. And then he expects to harvest and he finds nothing to do. If you don't do things in a timely manner, in a disciplined manner, your future is going to be bleak. Young people, children, study well and work hard now. You know when you'll get the blessing? When you become 40, 50, and 60 years old. And to the rest of us who still have years in our life, be intentional about your living. Be disciplined. Otherwise, when you reach 60, 70, and 80, you'll still be doing stuff, just maintenance. It's discipline, people. It's not busyness. And that's why I'm hoping those of you who would be interested on this financial seminar that's coming up, some of us can teach you how to be disciplined in the area of money. We can't do anything for you. But it is not rocket science. Some of us have learned the hard way and have come to a place of freedom. That's the beauty. It is teachable. And so, if you're not going to be diligent, the danger is it will reach a point. Proverbs 13.4 The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What it means is the soul of the lazy person has no ambition, has no desire. Folks, that's bad, that's wrong. God has a purpose for your life. You need to find out what that purpose is. Don't just live aimlessly. But the lazy, indisciplined person has no ambition, no sense of direction, no goal. And when I say that, I'm not asking you to create your own destiny. I'm asking you to find out from God, what does God want you to do? And if you pursue what God wants you to do, He will open doors, He will provide, He will bless. But if you're doing your own stuff, you'll be busy, but you sometimes will reach nowhere. The sluggard is not motivated. Here's another one. You want to picture this? Listen to Proverbs 19.24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. That's how lazy he is. He's got a good meal sitting in front of him, but he is slow, slow and unmotivated that he can't bring his hand to the mouth. I've already said that, but those who are lazy, indisciplined, and not after what God wants have a limited role of influence and authority. Here's another one, and you probably know people. I hope you're not like that. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 26 says, like vinegar, you know what vinegar is, right? Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, 
so is the sluggard to those who send him. Here's a characteristic of a lazy person. You really can't tell them anything because they know, it every, they know everything. You try to encourage or correct, correct them, they start to talk back to you. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, a lazy person doesn't want to listen to people who have something to offer. What's the cure? I I think the cure to laziness is all in the mind. It has nothing to do with your ability. It has nothing to do with whether you've got the strength. It's a mindset. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. Remember it's before sin. Listen to this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. On the seventh day God finished his work. Work is a good word. I remind myself, especially when I'm doing monotonous, hard work that seemed to have nothing intellectual in it. I tell myself, praise God, I've got the strength. Praise God, these hands can move. Praise God, I've got uh, energy and I'm in good health. Why? Because when I work, whatever the work is, who am I imitating? I'm imitating God. God was a worker. So when I work, I'm like God. I have his DNA. And whether it pays or doesn't pay, whether anybody recognizes my work or not, I don't care. Because I'm behaving like God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, I already quoted that. We are God's workmanship. God's working in us. God wants us to work all for his glory and honor. Secondly, I think we need to discover the purpose of why do we work. Scripture says if you don't work, you don't eat. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Did you hear that? When Christians don't work, you're worse than a pagan. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may share something to anyone in need. Here's a principle that sometimes we forget. God gives you and I work to do. Number one, to be a witness where we are. And then when you get paid, you know why God paid you? So that you can share with someone in need. Your pay is not for yourself It is so that you can be generous towards others. That's a new definition for work, isn't it? So if God's blessed you with a good salary, praise God. I just hope you're generous. That's the purpose of work. Finally, you've got to recalibrate, not finally, just one more. Recalibrate your fulfillment factor. In other words, 
Where do you get your pleasure for work from? Is it because of what you make? Is it because of your title? Some people like their titles. If they ever got a doctorate, they love to let people know, I am Dr. Joseph Thomas. Or if they are a C or something. Is that your fulfillment? Because if that's what you're driving after, if you don't have a title, you'll feel probably a third-class person. I hope you don't. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says. In whatever you do, work heartily. Let me repeat that again. In whatever you do. You go to work tomorrow morning, whatever you do. If you're a homemaker, in whatever you do. If you're doing chores, in whatever you do. In whatever you do, it says, work heartily. You know why? As for the Lord and not for men. Do you know who's watching your life? Not your employer. Who's watching your life is God. You're not working for a company or a person. You're working for the greatest employer in the world. That's why you need to work heartily. Even if you have a stinking job. Even if you have a horrible manager. Work heartily. You're not working for them. You're working for someone. And it says. Knowing that from the Lord. You will receive the inheritance. As your reward. It's pretty pathetic. If all that you're satisfied. Is your salary. Do you know what scripture says? There's an inheritance waiting for you. Pick and choose. If you want a good salary and no inheritance, that's one choice. If you're going to be content and work heartily because you have a great inheritance waiting for you, you'll change your attitude to work. Finally, John chapter 17. How important. Jesus' high priestly prayer. This is Jesus' last prayer. He prays for you and I. He prays for the world. And then we are... We are privy to hearing what he prayed to the Father. Listen to John chapter 17 verse 4. Jesus tells the Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Listen to it again. Father, I have glorified you. I have accomplished all the work That you gave me to do. You understood that? Let me ask you the question. Did Jesus heal all the sick people? Nope. Did he preach to everyone? Nope. And yet he says. He's accomplished all the work that the father gave him. Yes. Let me speak to those of you. Who are very busy. Or those of you who want to help everyone in the world because you have such a large heart. Don't try to be more than Jesus. Jesus didn't do everything. Jesus did what the Father had told him to do. And many people told him that there are lots of other sick people left. He didn't heal everyone. 
I want to challenge some of us here this morning, maybe all of us, to say, do a few things well that God wants you to do. Don't pick up a lot of things that you just feel bad and you just want to help and you want to do a lot of stuff. God would say very kind of you, but the danger for you would be You've lived such a busy life, you did not accomplish what God had for you, and you're hoping to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will not hear that. You'd probably hear, well done, thou good and faith, a busy person. But you have been unfaithful in what has been trusted to you. And you, you, that would be difficult, isn't it? So my challenge to you is find a balance in life. Work hard. Only do what God expects you to do. Don't be guilted and shamed by other people. People will constantly ask you to do a lot of stuff. You've got to discover what does God want me to do. Because this I know, God wants you to work hard. And he wants you to rest. And he wants you to enjoy. And unless all these are happening in your life, busyness does not mean you're a hard worker for the Lord. Does that make sense? Some of us have to just look at our lives and stop doing a lot of stuff. Let me give you freedom. Jesus himself is your example. Jesus had time to hang around people and just talk and not be stressed from one thing to another. So folks, be disciplined and focused. I'm going to repeat it again. The problem with some of us is not that we're not smart, we're not gifted. I think indiscipline is the reason we keep spinning our wheels. Hard work, discipline, focus. Don't get distracted. And God will work in your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 13. Pastor Mike read a little bit about it, but listen to it in closing. Do not be slothful in zeal. You notice what we're called to do? We're called to be zealous people. Do not be lazy in your enthusiasm. Be motivated, be focused, be disciplined. Be fervent in your spirit. Why? It says, serve the Lord. How you serve the Lord is going to be in different ways. When you go to work tomorrow morning or this evening, whenever it is, guess what you're doing? You're serving the Lord. You're answerable to Him. He's the one who recognizes whether you put in your hours or not. But be zealous about it. We were created for work. Whenever you work, irrespective of what money you make, just the ability to work should celebrate and make you feel that you're imitating God. Let's pray. What a great moment for you to probably consider what was just preached. Because we are coming to the table of the Lord, which is a place that you come after confession. And folks, if any of what was shared this morning convicted you, would you be humble enough to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to call it sin. Don't make excuses.
don't pretend. Don't be the kind of person that says there's a lion in the street. And I hope when God's word reaches your heart, it's not like vinegar between your teeth or smoke in your eyes. God wants to work in your life and display his glory. That's what God's after. And he cannot do that if we live indisciplined lives. So would you confess and do that with the knowledge that God loves you and wants to do a new work in your life? Father, as we come to this table, thank you for the reminder that as much as you're a God who will talk about sin, you also provide the way out. And that's why Jesus died on a cross to take away the sins of the world, to make us overcomers. And this morning we thank you that we can spend some time appreciating your sacrificial And yes, the word is work, your sacrificial work on the cross for us so that we do not need to work for our salvation, but accept it by faith. Amen.